parent of one of the students on Voices Matter podcast. So if you could introduce yourself and explain to us what this process has been like for you. My name is Michelle Johnson and I am the parent of Vincent Nixon, the artist behind the black hockey player. And um, it's been a very emotional but very strengthening process this year. Um, last year, we kind of went through some things, but it was just like with the parents saying stuff to me and them trying to keep their kids separate from Vincent. But this season, we've gone through the actual students because they're older. You know, um, just the violence towards him, the disrespect, the using the N-word against him. And it's, it's turned into a double-sided situation. He enjoys it. It's been great. He's um, become the captain of his team. He's the lead scorer and assists. He's also the all-star, the all-star for his team. But with that comes a lot of the hatred because although sports should be a sport that everyone should be able to enjoy, they've turned it into a black and white thing where they don't feel like he fit in and he shouldn't be able to play because he's black. And not only is he black, he's the captain of his team and he's good. So that's where the the problem comes in. At. So they use any format that they can to cause him to respond in a way so that they can give him a label. And with this art project, it has given him a voice. It's um, given him a voice for not only himself, but there's been a lot of black young athletes that has committed suicide because of the bullying. And right now he's in a place where he's not black enough for the black kids, but the white kids let him know that he's not white as well. But he's still standing in and, and continuing to be the, the role model and continue to um, touch others and not allow it to affect him. We it, it caused us to have a lot of conversations that I didn't think we would have to have so early in his life, which has, you know, kind of broken my heart a little bit because this isn't something that I thought that my son at 11 years old would start to go through, or it started at 10, so at 10 years old would... Um, have to, to endure so early on in life. I knew at some point it would come, but just not yet. But he says that it, it, it only makes him strengthen and, and want it more. Like it makes him play harder, want him to learn about the sport more, make him go out and, you know, try and be his best so that he can prove that it's not about my color, it's about what I can do and what I bring to the team. And I think that's what's um, changed a lot of his teammates' opinions because of it started with their parents of them 
not feeling like their kids should have to play with Vincent. And now they they love him. You know, he would congratulate them because they wouldn't talk to him. They wouldn't congratulate him. And I just told him to be yourself. But it started so early on in making sure he knew who he was and letting him know what his name is and what his name stands for and the strength that's behind it because anybody call you anything other than that, then you don't respond because that's not your name. Can you give us an example when you're saying about you teach him that this is your name, this is how you should be referred to? Because this is quite a journey that you're talking about that you've seen your son go through as well as just your whole family and you as a parent so it started when he was four that's when he started school and every morning before I well when I will wake him up I will always call him doctor or mister or professor or things like that so that he would get used to hearing these these titles put before his name and I will say that because someone's going to call him by those names one day and it was important to me that he started to hear it from me so that he will understand and for a long time he would not allow anyone to call him a nickname you know when we would sign him up for camp in the summer they would say you know what's his nickname what can we call him and he would stand firm and say no my name is Vincent no, you, my name is Vincent. No, I don't have a nickname. I don't want you to call me anything but Vincent. And at the time when I started doing it, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the effect that it would have later on. Um, and then just being able to watch him come into the school on the come dressed as who you want to be when you grow up and so many kids come in as someone else. And the pride that I watched my son walk into the school building with being able to wear a jersey with his own name on there and talk to his peers as his future self says a lot, which something again at the age of four when I started telling him this, I never knew why or where this would take him to and now it's like like they say you plant the seed and you will see the fruits of the labor and it's not always immediately that you see it but as it starts to come it's like he blows my mind because I'm like oh my goodness you know oh this makes sense as to oh, okay so now I see why this happened you know and to see it play out it's um it's amazing to me that's a very powerful story because the messages that you have instilled in Vincent, they were coming out in his art. Because he put himself at the same level as his, as his idol, Willie Mays. So to see the pride that Vincent has in himself and his capacity to do this work, not only in hockey, but a phenomenal writer and taking that and translating that into art with a message of, hey, this needs to stop. All black lives matter in regards to hockey players and my life matters. So that's a true testament to what you've been trying to do as a mom. Thank you. Um, like I said, he, he blows my mind because he's so shy. He's so shy. So when he steps up and like, 
literally before he goes on, you know, he have his moments when he's like, oh, I don't really want, think I want to do this. But I've watched him grow as a speaker within this year. Um, one of the things that I'm sure no one is aware of, but he was diagnosed with a mild case of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And it kind of affects his, his reading. And he's a big researcher. So that blows my mind because he he doesn't allow anything to stop him from finding out or getting the education that he's looking for, but it's heightened his sense of communication. So even with him being shy, he's still able to verbalize what it is that he's trying to say. His um, communication skills are, are very strong. And the first time I saw him speak was this December or November. He spoke at the city council uh, meeting, Cleveland Heights city council meeting. And, you know, again, like I said, we had to fill out the paperwork for him to go and speak. And he was still like, I don't know. I don't know. And I go, okay, well, we'll just put you in. And if you choose not to speak, you don't have to. I said, and I don't even sign up. So then that way we'll both do it. And they called his name, and he looked at me, and I'm like, oh, boy, you know, are we going or, you know, whatever you want to do, I stand behind you. And he went up there, and, I mean, everybody was blown away. And I was like, wow, you know, like, wow, that is my son, you know. The first of all who shies away from a conversation who's really like yes or no, you know, if it's not really a subject that he's into, it takes a lot, you know, to pull a conversation out of him. But if it's something that he he's interested in, like he he digs into it. He really gets into it. And I'm just like Wow, <laughs> he really there is something going on. Like there is a voice inside of there, and he he wants to be heard. And he's I'm, I thank Miss Kristen so much for this opportunity because it allows him to use his voice for the black athletes who the pressure was too much for. I feel like um, this is this is why we were brought here because it was a conversation that I had with God. It was so much chaos going on in this in this in the school that he's in right now. He's always been in private school, and it was just a, a situation that happened where um, he wasn't able to to start school on time with them. So this is how he ended up here, and I'm like, oh, it's so much chaos. Like, what is it? But now to see what his purpose was. And for him to walk fully in it, a lot of a lot of kids will shy away from you know a topic that's so heavy like this. But he chose to to stand firm in it, and we've definitely gotten a backlash as to, well, you know, now that you guys want to bring this to the light in the forefront, you better watch everything that he do because as soon as he mess up, we're gonna throw this all back in his face. And I'm like, that sucks because the world, how do you learn if you don't make mistakes? And why is it that he have to be perfect and no one else does? You know, no one else is held accountable for their actions, but you're going to make sure that he's held accountable for his actions. And it sucks, but 
like I said, as his his mother, I'm here to support whatever decision and whatever route he wants to go, then that's the route we're going. And I stand behind him because what he's doing is positive. There's so many other things that he could be doing, and he's not. So we're riding this thing. So because he decided to focus on a justice issue regarding his race and how he's treated on the ice, he and your family are receiving backlash. Yes. So we talked about this in class in regards to when you are addressing an issue and maybe the majority of people are going to be against it, to really do your research and find out why is this important? Why do people need to pay closer attention? And what are the consequences of doing this work alone? Like, why do you need other people? So I'm so glad to hear that he not only has you, but he has a whole team of people who are supporting him through this because that's what it takes to address an issue. Absolutely. It's easy to say no to one. It's harder to say no to 20. Absolutely. So, like I said, again, I'm, I'm proud of him. Um, I think that this is a, a perfect opportunity for all kids. I think that this should be in all schools because there are so many kids who don't get to be seen or heard. And they don't know what to do with that energy. And they're reacting in other ways when all it really takes is for someone to listen to what they have to say. And I've always tried to keep the doors of communication open between myself and Vincent and let him know that you are a person. You do have feelings. You are allowed to have feelings and emotions. And, you know, we'll we'll figure out a way to get them out in a positive way. You know, sometimes if you have to scream, you can scream. If it's stuff that you need to tell me and you know, you're angry about it, you get to express that. You get to express that. I also don't have a problem with apologizing to him if I was wrong in the situation. But I don't I don't feel like there should be punishments when you haven't explained what has gone on. So if they don't know what they did wrong, then how can you punish them? They'll never learn from it because they don't know exactly what they did to get them in trouble. So I I keep those um, those doors of communication open because I don't want him to feel like he doesn't have anywhere to go or anywhere to turn to or for him to act out in other ways because of something that he can't voice himself over or someone is dead or said something to him and he he doesn't have a safe place to come. And that makes a lot of sense. When you think about this project coming to an end, we have a couple more exhibitions scheduled for the students and opportunities for them to have their work published. As this year comes towards an end, have you seen growth in Vincent through this project? Yes. His communication, like I said, the the willingness to step in front of a crowd and use his voice. 
And that was actually the name of the exhibition. So the students wanted everyone to know that their voice matters. And that's actually the name of the exhibition that voice matters. And it does. It does. It makes a difference. And like I said, I thank you so much for providing them with this opportunity because this probably saved a lot more kids than you think, you know, and not only just for the ones who actually participated in it, but the ones who get to come behind and see them or hear them or see their artwork and they can say, so I'm not the only one. Okay. So they, they did get through it. This is how they got through it. You know, maybe I should try and do X, Y, and Z and, you know, see what the outcome is. It's not going to always be perfect. And you're not going to always get the outcome that you want, but you try and you get to live and you get to try again. So I think those are the, the biggest things that we can learn from from the children because they say they are our future. And if we don't listen to them, then how can they be the future leaders if they don't have a voice? Right. Yeah, to give to be provided that space, just to even make choices of what they would like to to study or to research and what matters to them Mm -hmm. to have that space to be invited into that space is an honor and a privilege because children don't need to do that but the fact that they have allowed me to work alongside them it has been an amazing journey and we had no idea where this was going to go but all the opportunities and doors that have opened up for all of us to get their voices continuously heard it has been amazing. And to be able to meet people like you and other parents and the amazing job um, that you're doing with, with your children and to watch the, the influence that all of you have on your children and how much you love them and adore them, it, it shines through every day. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. But it goes out to you as well because you set that foundation of security and safety that they were able to open up because a lot of kids won't do that. And that's one of the things that I was trying to get his coach to understand because he goes, why doesn't he feel comfortable talking to me? Well, it's the way that you approach the situation and the lack of approach of the situation. The lack of accountability, and then the fact that you look like the same person who's teaching their children to treat him that way. Right. So if it wasn't for you setting that foundation, a lot of the kids wouldn't have expressed their way and been willing to be vulnerable to do so. Well, I, I appreciate well, I, that. And I we, we need, that's what we need really in the schools and those who are helping with our children, not only in school, but just like in activities where you're interacting with kids anyway, because sometimes you are the only safe place that they have. So that it changes a lot and it saves a lot of children. So thank you. Well, and, and again, I'm going right back at you. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to share your insights and your expertise. Is there anything that you else that you would like to add? Um, I don't know. You know, in your mind, you think you have what you want to say, but again, I just, I'm, I'm grateful that 
he's had this experience. Um, I'm grateful for the doors that has been open um, and just to, to help him with his, his growth. Not only that I see, but that he see within himself, you know, with the, the being able to be called a leader and a captain and things like that. Now he sees in himself what other people saw in him because sometimes it's hard for you to see what people see in you. So now he knows that the strength that he carries, you know, within his voice and um, staying strong and continuing to press on no matter what. Yeah. And Vincent's going to open up a lot of doors. I already know that. And he's sitting about 10 feet from us. So he can hear everything we're saying. So hopefully he knows how much he is loved. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank and thank you for you. the opportunity. All right. Thank you. We are here with the Voices Matter podcast. We have a scholar, student, artist, activist here right in front of us. Could you share your name, grade level, and age, please? My name is Camilla, and my grade is 6, and I'm 12. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Could you tell us the name of your art, and could you describe it to us? What is the title of your art? Black Girls Get in More Trouble Than White Girls. All right. Black Girls Get in More Trouble Than White Girls. And can you tell us, the audience can't see your powerful painting. What is the background color of your painting? Blue. And why is it blue and then going to black? Because it looks like a sky. It looks like a sky. And then why does it get darker as we get to the bottom? Because it starts getting sad. Okay, because you started to get sad. And then it looks like you modge-podge the face of a black girl. Is that correct? Yes. All right, so you put that at the bottom. Why did you choose to modge-podge the face of a black girl? What is the focus of your painting? That black girl's getting in more trouble than white girls. Okay, so that makes sense that you chose to find a picture of a black girl to put at the bottom of your painting. And then you wrote a poem. So in regards to discipline and black girls, what did you learn in your research about black girls being punished? That they get punished more than white people. And there's a story in your writing about a black girl who got suspended how many times? In a year? 23 times. 23 times in a year. How did you feel about that? Sad. Sad. So thank you for sharing that. It is very sad. I can't even imagine what it was like for that girl to be suspended 23 times from school. So you wrote a poem. Would you be able to read that poem to everybody? Because this is actually on top of your painting, correct? Uh All right. So what is that poem that you wrote? What does it say? This makes me kind of mad angry. Why? Because everyone should be treated like the same. Black girls shouldn't be punished. They shouldn't be punished more than white girls. When black girls get in trouble, 
it's not good for them. Why? Because they're missing school, and that messes up their brain. They getting behind in school. That can make kids nervous, and it's bad. It's bad. When they get in trouble, they get in trouble so much, so much, that they're sad. Whenever black girls get in trouble, they doubt themselves. Black girls are not being treated the same as white girls. This needs to stop. Excellent. Is there anything that you feel, any advice that you would give teachers in school about how we should be treating black girls? Do you have any advice? Should we be talking to black girls? Should we be punishing black girls? What should we be Talk doing? Talk to them. Talk to them. All right. So I think you wrote in your narrative something about people should be sitting down and talking to each other rather than getting suspended from school. Did I read that correctly? Yeah. Okay. So that's great advice for teachers and principals to start thinking about how can we talk with black girls versus punishing them by suspending them. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else that you would like to add? No. No? All right. Thank you so much for sharing your art and your story, and we really appreciate you participating in Voices Matter podcast. Thank you. We are here with a scholar, activist, artist, focused on and a very, very important topic. So let's start with you introducing yourself. Name, grade, age. My name is Nigel Walker. I'm in grade six, and I'm 11 years old. All right. And what is the title of your art? The, the title is Black is Magic. Fantastic. And what did you focus your art on? What topic? I focus. I focused it on all the skin colors and how they're all different and how different and how all the, all the skin colors should be treated all the same way. So it sounds like you focused on colorism. Yes. That there's a bias. So the lighter your skin, what happens? The, the more they mistake you for being white, so they treat you differently from the other darker people. Yeah, so the darker your skin, what happens to kids, especially in school, when their skin is darker? They get treated bad, and they get bullied, and they get treated worse. Yeah, so they face harsher punishments in school. So you did a fantastic job doing the research on this. So when you describe your art to the audience, because they can't see it, what is the background of your art? The background is different skin, different colors of brown, and all sorts of different colors are like brown, dark brown, and stuff like that. And I put my face and I put skin colors on it to show how all the skin colors are different. So you have a photograph of just yourself right smack in the middle and then coming off your cheek on both sides are different colors of skin and then you also put a dab right on your forehead. So depending on the color of your skin this may determine how you're treated. All right, excellent. And you wrote a poem about this. Yes. What is, what is your poem? Could you read that for us? I feel bad. 
colored people treat other colored people with racism, and it's sad. Colored people are still treated by racism. You can tell that we are still treated racistly. The uncolored people still treat us badly. Just because you might not hear it or see it, you know it still happens. My family was at a hotel. We asked for towels, we got dirty towels, and didn't get the resources we needed. The darker colored pe people made fun of the lighter colored people. They act like we are not really black, we are. I think it. I think that it's sad that light-skinned people are not another race. I want to have natural hair. I think black girls should wear their hair natural. That's really powerful. And how often are any of these topics even discussed in school or among you and your friends? They don't really talk about black people in, in school that much. They just talk about uncolored people's race and like their history in USA. And among your friends, do you talk about colorism or how people are treated because of how light or dark somebody is? No, not really. Not really. So what interested you in this topic? It interested me how they, like in schools, they only talk about slave, slavery for um, the colored people, and they don't talk about other things in their history in Africa, the good, the cons of it. And the other interests me how if you're like light-skinned or really light-skinned, but you're still black, the whites treat you like they're, you're white. So you could quote unquote pass as being white, and you were learning about that in your research. And if you passed as white, you were treated as you were what? White, and they were treated differently from the darker skin. From darker skinned people. So when you think about school, um, and you also learned something about Google when you did a Google search. You did some activism here. What did you learn? I learned that if you look up monkey holding a box and you click images, you see a black man holding a box and a black person is not a monkey. And when, when you found that and you showed it to me, I was appalled. And you asked me, well, what can we do about it? So what did you do? I reached Google and I, to I, I told them what I've been doing for the social justice project, but I still haven't got a response. So the fact that Google didn't respond to you, because somehow they have some kind of formula that comes up when you type in those keywords. So the fact that they haven't responded to you, what are you going to do about that? I might try to reach, reach out to them again. Okay, good for you. Good for you. And maybe something will happen because of that. So what did you call yourself after you sent that to Google? I am an activist. So now you identify as an activist, which is fantastic. And your art definitely makes you an activist in addition to what you've written. When you think about schools and what we should be doing for schools and helping kids, what do you think we should be doing differently, if anything at all? We should be, we should be, we should be teaching black kids about their history and not only about slavery. And we should be telling, and we should be treating them the same as the lighter people and we shouldn't always get them in trouble. So talk about it, put it on the table that people are treated differently because of the color of their skin, let alone colorism, how light or dark your skin is. And then make sure that we not only we're talking about it, but that we are addressing, are we treating people differently because of this? All right, that's fantastic advice. Anything else that you would like us to know? That all, that all uncolored people should treat colored people the same. 
Okay, and when you say uncolored, you, do you mean white people? Yes. So white people should be treating people who are brown, black, Asian, American Indian, Pacific Islander, everyone needs to be treated with what? The same respect. So the same respect. All right. Thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come to Voices Matter podcast. And again, be an activist and share what it is that you think we should be addressing. Thank you again. You're welcome.